Let's turn again to Deuteronomy chapter 6, and we're considering the greatest commandment in the Bible, according to our Lord. And we've been, we looked at the context of this, we looked at the fact that we're called, if we're going to love the Lord, to, to set aside time and focus on who God is. We're called, the call still goes out, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And today we're going to look at what it means to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and with all your strength. But let's listen to Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 9, and give attention to God's holy word. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts and press them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. This is God's word. Let's pray. O Lord, our God in heaven, we come before you today to see that you are the great and awesome God, that you are one, that you are the Lord, that you are our God. And yet, O Lord, each one of us faces many challenges. (laughs) As I talk to people, O Lord, you know how many friends I have who are struggling and the struggles of each one here. And be yet, O oh Lord, I pray that you would help us to be able to set these things aside and let our heart be fixed upon Jehovah and so that we would have be rooted deeply in a way that would enable us to receive your word and enable us to hear it and to be able to, to silence the, all, the voices around us and hear your voice. And, O oh Lord, that it would empower us and strengthen us to see that we have one priority really, to know you, to serve you in this world, and that everything else is something you're going to take care of and we can trust you with. And, oh, Lord, let that conviction be upon us as we look upon this so that we might be able then able to not only love you but to love those around us, have the margin in our hearts and lives to be able to serve. Oh, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together. We thank you that you've given us your word in such great abundance. When somebody do not know it, we know it. We have it. Help us, O Lord, to meditate upon it and show our love for you. In Jesus' name, amen. So why do we love love stories so much? And the reason is because life is all about love. That's what it is. It's about relationships. You know, when people are at the end of their lives, what do they want? They want to gather the people around them whom they love and who love them uh, because that's what life is all about. But that's also what the Bible is all about. Jesus has told us that the Bible is all about love. Loving the Lord our God with all our heart and soul, strength and mind, and loving our neighbor as ourselves. But what does it really mean to love? What does it mean to love God? What does it mean to love others? A lot of times we don't have a clear sense of what that is. And so one of the, one of the ways I think the Lord will lead us today uh, by his grace is to teach us a little bit more of what it means to love the Lord But then this will also help us see what it means to love in general. So try to get some clarity on that. So we're going to be looking at verse 5, which is the actual command to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And so we're going to look first at the word love, what that means. Secondly, what it means to love with all our heart and soul. And then thirdly, with our strength. So those are the three things we'll consider through this passage as we try to understand what love is. So as we, as we look at this book of Deuteronomy, you'll, you'll see that if, if you do a search for the word love, you'll see that so many of the references to love are not about our love to God. 
They're actually about God's love for us. And so one of the ways that we can understand what God means by, uh, wants us to think about by when he says to love him is to understand better what his love for us means. And so I want us to consider that from a few verses, just looking at what, what does it mean for God to love us and to love his people. Well, for example, Deuteronomy 4.37 tells us, because God loved your forefathers and chose their descendants after them, he brought you out of Egypt by his presence and his great strength. So here we see that God had a thought about his people. So what does it mean for God to love us first? That God pays attention to his people. He gives them attention. He, he fixes his mind and heart on his people. And you can see that when he saw them in Egypt and their suffering, he thought about them, he saw them, he knew them, he noticed them. As, as Mike mentioned today, sometimes we wonder, does God notice us? But here, God does love us, God notices us, he sees us, as we saw in Genesis 16. So he saw Israel in Egypt and he brought them out. So God pays attention to his people. Secondly, God has affection for his people. Uh, verse 15 of chapter 10 it says, yet the Lord set his affection on your forefathers and loved them, and he chose you, their descendants, above all the nations as it is today. So what does it mean that he loved them? That he had affection for them, that he thought of them highly, that he valued them, that he saw that they were significant. And it's all the more remarkable, as we saw last week, because they didn't really deserve that. They didn't deserve his affection they had done many things to merit the exact opposite, but yet God still had an affection for them. And then thirdly, God takes care of those whom he loves. Looking at chapter 10, verse 18, listen to what the Lord says. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the alien, that is the foreigner, giving him food and clothing. So, God sees the foreigners that live amongst them. He loves them. And so what does he do? He takes care of them. So when we see that God's love for his people means that he pays attention to his people, that he has affection for his people, and that he takes care of his people. So let's just plug that in and think about then, well, what does it mean for us to love God? Well, it means that we pay attention to him. That we think about him, that he's in our thoughts, that he matters to us, that he's significant, that we don't just let him days pass by where we don't think about the Lord, but he's on our hearts. Secondly, we have affection for him, that we think that he is great, that we think that, we, that, we think that he is valuable, that he, we think that he has weight, that he is significant to us. So we pay attention to him, we have affection for him. Now, the third one is that we, as I said, that he takes care of us. Now, obviously, we don't have to take care of God's needs because he doesn't have any, right? He has all things that he needs. He's fully sufficient in himself. So what does it mean for us to take care of God, so to speak? I think it means that we take an interest in his interests. We care about the things that he cares about. We give attention to the things that he gives attention to, like his worship, like care, like care of his people, like the growth of his kingdom, like the advancement of the gospel, like the, like the care of the least of these. That's what it means to love the Lord. 
that we pay attention to him, that we have affection for him, and that we take an interest in his, inter- in his interests. Now, based on that, if we, if we see that that's what love is, then, and based on what, what God says about his love for us, then we could probably deduce the rest of Deuteronomy 6.5 just from the command love. If we really understand what that means, then we understand it's a love that's with all our heart, soul, and strength. But Moses doesn't just say love the Lord. He says love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Consequently, he wants us to think about that a little bit more, and so that's what we're going to do. So with all our heart and soul, and then with all our strength. Now notice in, in the command that it says that we are to love the Lord with all our heart and soul and with all our strength. Um, and what, what this means is that, that we don't have, that, that we take everything that we have and we align it with the love of God. In other words, our whole person, the whole person is aligned with the loving God. All our, all our thoughts, all our emotions, all our thinking, all the work that we do is directed to the love of God. That's what the word all means. But it doesn't just mean the whole, it also means perpetually. That is, that we keep loving God. We know that God is faithful to us, but he also calls us to be faithful to him. As Moses said in Deuteronomy 30, verse 20, he says that God, that he wanted them to love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. So that we're not just loving the Lord one day, forgetting about him the next that one week we do well and then we forget about him, that we're not just loving him at church and then forget him when we go to work or go to school, but that we love him perpetually. So it's a command to love the Lord our God at all the time with all that we have is the, what the word all means. Now what about heart, soul, and strength? Now if you look in the book of Deuteronomy and you look up, again, just look up the word heart and soul, you'll see that these two words are actually used together. And, and they're, they're, not, they're not used separately very often, especially soul. You can find heart used in some places without soul, but soul is generally connected with the heart. And so what, what is he really saying here? He's saying that we are to love the Lord our God with, our, with the inside of us. We're not just to do it outwardly. We're to do it inwardly with all the aspects of our inner life, with our thoughts, with our emotions, and with our will. Now, in, in the Hebrew language, they would use the word heart, and the heart had a broad term. It meant not only emotions, but also our thinking. And so, it, you'll notice in, in, the, in Matthew 22, when, it's, when uh, Jesus quotes the uh, Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, he'll say, love the Lord with all your heart and soul and strength and mind. Now, why did they add mind in the Greek? Because if they said heart, it meant, would mean to the Greeks who heard it, emotions, kind of like it does for us. But, but in the Hebrew, it meant not only emotions, but also thoughts. So they add the word mind to convey the original meaning. So just so you know, that's why that is there. But the, so what's the point? Everything we have inside us should be directed to the love of God. And so what does this mean? Well, once again, it means that God is present in our inner life. We Think about him. Listen to what God says to us in Deuteronomy 4 and verse 9. He says, Only be careful and watch yourselves closely 
so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. And so the point is, if we're going to have something in our hearts, if something's going to be present in our inner life, we have to make an effort to keep it there. And what he's saying is that you've got to fix God in your heart, fix God in your mind. You've got to think about him. But the heart also means the affections, that our emotions are directed and aligned with God. You can just look again, look up the word heart in Deuteronomy. I won't go into it. And you'll see that it refers to a variety of emotions. So what this means is that we fear God first, that we're angry at the things that bother him, not just that bother us, that we find our joy in him, that we grieve at the things that grieve him, and, and so on. So our heart and our emotions are aligned with him. And then, finally, it means that we want to do what he wants. So one of the big things is to recognize when we love the Lord, we're not loving someone who isn't equal to us. We're loving someone who is the Lord, who is the God, so, who is the Lord God. So we can never divorce loving God from loving what he wants us to do and wanting to do what he wants us to do from obedience to God's commands. Listen to what it uh, says in verse 29 of chapter 5. He says, Oh, that their hearts would be inclined to fear me and keep all my commands always so that it might go well with them and their children forever. Notice, he says, that their hearts would be inclined to fear me and obey. So that's what it means to love the Lord with our heart, that we love the things that he wants us to do, and if he tells us to do something, we love to do that, and we are happy to do that. That is what it means to love the Lord, because we love him not just as a friend, but as the Lord God, as the creator, as our maker, as our sovereign, as our king. Now, so let me try to get you to think about what this would mean for us to put this into practice. One of the things is that we need to understand is that our inner world is rather complicated. As Jeremiah says, the heart is desperately wicked above all things. Who can know it? Uh, the Apostle Paul in Romans 7 says, you know, I have my heart moving in one direction, but I also want to do this, and, it's, and I can't do the things that I want to do. So our inner world is complicated, and we don't often understand it. And it's been programmed, we might say, in a lot of different ways by the people around us, by the families we grew up in, by our experiences, by the things that we've thought, by the things that we've studied, by the people we've interacted with, by the things we've observed from our society and the time we live in. And a lot of that is pretty much subconscious. We don't really understand it that well. And so if we're going to love Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, we have to make an effort to, to know a little bit more of what's going on in our inner world. And one of the ways to do this is just to ask yourself and try to reflect more clearly on what, ha what are you telling yourself when things get difficult, when things are hard? What are the types of stories that you tell yourself? Often it's things like that, you know, I can't do anything. I'm never going to get anything good. Um, it's not worth living. Nobody cares about me. I have no support and so on. Those are the types of stories we tell ourselves. It's the same stories they told themselves in the wilderness. When things got tough, and I mean like really tough in the sense of you have no food or drink, 
at all, anywhere, which is a challenge probably most of us have never faced, um, they, they said, God brought us out here to kill us, right? That's what was kind of going on. They didn't, they had experienced so many bad things and the stories they had told them about themselves shaped them in such a way that when they got into trouble and they had difficulty, what came out? It was these stories that God doesn't care about us, he's not gonna take care of us, and so on. And again, we can be hard on them, but what do we do when we get in trouble or lack food or water completely and find ourselves in the middle of the desert? I mean, it's a pretty tough situation. But it's interesting, you also find that when, that, when those, those events came, they had other voices that told them different stories. And uh, remember that, uh, that they were saying, you know, there's some other things that you haven't noticed about that you've forgotten. Like the fact that God came and brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand, an outstretched arm. He smashed the kingdom of Pharaoh. That uh, he's, he's taken us along the way. That we didn't lack anything the entire time we were in Egypt. And remember the promises of God. And so, if we're going to love the Lord with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, then what we need to do is to understand better what's going on in our hearts and minds and, and have clarity on that so that we can replace the things that don't align themselves with God's word and with the stories that God tells us and replace them with this gospel, with the good messages that, and the true stories about God and who he is. So I just want to encourage you to give some thought to that. And how can you do that? Well, you've you got to take some time for careful consideration. I was talking to a friend one time about this, and he's like, yeah, that's, that's the word that he used, is thoughtful consideration to what happened. He says, you know, I just keep going, 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 and I never think about it. And, um, and we can do this in a couple of ways. One is just stopping, thinking about, you know, what, what goes on in my heart and mind when times get tough? Um, what, when I feel like I'm moving away from the Lord, what's really going on inside me? You can talk about it with a friend, or you can write about it because it often helps us uh, express our thoughts and gain some clarity on that. It's interesting, I had, just to, to impress upon this, I had this, um, I taught a class this summer, and I had, I had a group that I, uh, that I was teaching them to, to try and think about, well, what's really going on in your heart and mind when events occur? And so they got in groups of two or three, and, and they had to talk about a time that was really tough in their lives. But the qualification was that they couldn't give any advice. They could only ask questions like, what happened then? What were you thinking? What was this person doing? What was happening? And they said it was really hard not to give advice. But all of them said something like this. We thought we had processed these things, these tough things in our lives, but as soon as we started talking in this way, we realized that we hadn't really processed things. And so the result was that they were able then to have further and better reflection on it. Anyways, that's what we all need to do, is say what's really going on in the heart, because that's what it is, to give our hearts to the Lord, to align what is going on there with the truth of God, who God is, and what he thinks of us, and the stories that he tells us. So that's my encouragement to you. Find some time to reflect a little bit more on your inner life. Now, he says, though, not only he speaks not only of their inner life, but also of their outward life, because he says that you should love the Lord your God with, not only with all your heart and soul, but with all your strength. So what does this mean? 
In Deuteronomy 8, verse 2, it tells us that God tested the people in the wilderness. He tested them. And why? Look at Deuteronomy 8, verse 2. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. So why did he test them? To know what was in their heart. Because what's in the heart is going to come out in the actions. There's a correlation. Now, does that mean that God really didn't know what was in their heart? No. It just speaks in terms of how man speaks and how we approach these things. But he made it clear to himself, to them, and to others what was in their heart by showing, putting them in difficult situations where they had to obey him. So that's what it means. That is the meaning of strength here is that what's in our hearts is manifested in what we do. And so here's the key question that you have to ask. What do my actions say about my love for God? In other words, if someone is to examine your life and ask, does this person have a love for God? Is this going to be demonstrated in what you do? Including... When you're on your own, when no one's around, when other people of the church can't see, not just on Sunday, but just in the week. That's how we think about loving the Lord our God with all our strength. And here's an example. In Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 18, God says that he defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the alien, giving him food and clothing. So, The Lord is concerned about those who are most vulnerable in our society, and their society. And so what does that mean? And you are to love those who are aliens. For you yourselves were aliens in Egypt. And so what that means is that we look upon those who are vulnerable, upon those who are are in difficulty, and that we have them as a priority because that's what God has as a priority. So if we love the Lord, we love the things that he loves and cares about, And our interests are aligned with that. So that's just one example. Where are the least of these? In your heart and life, in your week, are you caring for the fatherless, the widow, the orphan, the stranger who is is around? If there is someone who is a stranger here, for example, do you just focus on what's comfortable upon your friends? Or do you welcome them in? If you're in a situation, do you say... Where, where, where you see people on the margins. Are you inclined to, to reach out to them? That's the kind of God that we have, and that's what the kind of priorities he wants us to have. And so that's just one example, though. We're going to talk a lot more about what it means next week to, to, show, to have the love of the Lord on our hearts and minds. But the point is this. Do our actions show that we love God? If not, then what should you do? Well, sometimes you just need to do what's hard, even when it's hard. You just do it. You say, it's uncomfortable to talk to this person. It's easier to talk to be here. It's, I don't enjoy uh, hanging out with the least of these or people who are the weird, the strange, the ugly, the whatever. And it's easier just to be with my friends. Well, sometimes you just have to break through that and do it. But we also should check on what's inside our hearts. Is our heart, if we see our actions not manifesting, what the love of the Lord, then we got to say, go back to the heart. Where is our heart with the Lord? Now, 
Let me just conclude by making a comment about what I'm teaching here in a broader sense. So what I'm teaching you is a commandment from the Lord. It is the most important commandment according to the Bible, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength. Why do we teach the law? Well, there are primarily two reasons. One is that it shows us our need. Now, if I hope that as I've talked about what it means to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, that you've seen areas where you realize I actually fall considerably short of what God is calling me to do. If you walk away from this and say, man, glad I am doing that perfectly well, then you've probably not heard me right. Because it shows us our own sin, and why does God show us our sin? Not because he simply wants to point out our sin, but because he wants to lead us to the solution for sin, which is the merit of Jesus Christ applied to our accounts so we stand before God with him as our representative and the Holy Spirit put in our hearts to enable us to obey the law of God. But then the second reason is to give us clarity on what our goal is and what our duty is. We are not saved simply to be saved. We are saved unto something. We are saved to become, again, what God originally intended us to be. And what he originally intended us to be was those who love God with all their heart, soul, and mind, and strength. That's where our life is meant to be. And so that's what we can see and understand so we know this is, where I, this is how I pray, this is where I focus, this is where my own efforts under God should be, and this is what I want God to do in my life. So that we align our hearts and thoughts and minds and emotions with what God is already doing in our lives as believers. That's the purpose of teaching the law. So as you hear this message... Keep that in mind. This is our great goal, to learn to love the Lord our God with all our heart and soul and with all our strength. That's where God is leading us, and this is where our efforts should be. As we grow in this, and as we learn to do it more, we'll find that it's really actually not hard labor. It is one filled with delight. It is what we were created for. It is what will give our life meaning. God has made us to be people who set our hearts on the Lord. And serve him. And so it's hard as we begin, as we, as we change old habits, as we change old ways of thinking, as we discover even stuff that was, we didn't even know about that's completely out of accord with what God wants us to be. But as we grow in that, we realize like this is what we're made for, to love the Lord. And this is our destiny, to love the Lord our God fully to all eternity. Praising, enjoying, and serving, and loving Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. World without end. Amen.